Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness, great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel, and I am so excited to welcome Rebecca Saunders, founder of the Champagne Lounge to the Greatness Podcast. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Gretchen. Lovely to be here. Yeah. So we connected through a mutual friend, the amazing Janine Garner, who I adore. And um, I have so many things that I want to talk to you about today. But before we dive into all of that, I love asking my guests, what, what in your life journey has made you passionate about what you care deeply about today? Oh, I love that question. And and it really for me comes down to life experience. And the reason I say that is my um, passion and purpose in business and life right now is to connect female business owners around the world so they don't feel lonely. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sounds, it can sound a little bit strange, but we can be connected in all forms of communities in terms of learning something or being part of a group to do a specific thing. But outside of that, business journeys can be really, really tough. And so For me, the life experience for that has been when I moved to Australia in 2012, um, I was a floundering mess. Like, okay, I've got to start this business. What do I do? Where do I go? Um, And I found this beautiful lady, Monica, at an event. And she said, I'm part of this women's group. Did you want to come and be a part of it? And that just started my journey of different female business networks, both from a social perspective through to a learning something for business perspective. And it got me really thinking that, Actually, there's a, there's a real gap there for people to feel connected and celebrated and supported outside of having to learn something and add something to their to-do list. Yeah. And I love how you talk about people's uniqueness and their superpowers and your, your, your real passion. And I, I, I use the word superpowers all the time now. And I, I don't think I thought about superpowers. You know, we, we, I mean, probably for the first 45 years of my life. We're so focused on what we don't do well. So what, what? tell me about this and the uniqueness and the superpower thing, because I find that fascinating. Yeah. So, um, well, I've had alopecia now since I was seven. And for the best part of 25 years, covered that up with wigs, doing different things. And that was just part of who I was. It wasn't something that family or friends forced upon me. It wasn't something necessarily that society did, but it was something that I went, okay, well, I'm going to show up putting wigs on every day and this is who I have to be. And it was almost um, like dressing up and putting on a mask every day. And as I did my personal development, as all business owners do, you know, we're doing down our business journeys and our personal journeys. It became clear during a conversation with a friend, she goes to me, Rebecca, you do know that when you start just owning who you are and taking the wig off and doing your own thing, that your business will skyrocket. Like people will love seeing the real you. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. Like brushed it under the carpet. Wasn't at all ready for that conversation. And at the time I was running a video production company. So my background has been running a video production company for the last 10 years. And ironically, I was telling people to show up as them, not feel overcomplicated, you know, just rock up as yourselves, be you, don't overthink it. And I was almost living a parallel life of telling people to do one thing and doing something completely different myself. And It was during COVID, um, one of the whatever many lockdowns we had wherever we were in Sydney. And 
Masks came back to being mandatory. Um, it was the middle of summer and I was wearing my glasses more because of screen time and I had my hair on and I was like, something has got to give. This is too hot. This is too uncomfortable. And so I made the decision to lean into it, to go, okay, well, I've done enough personal work. I've done enough conversations with other people to know that I'm supported in whatever will hit me when I unleash myself into the world as being who I am now. And I made the decision to take new photos and update all my social media, my website, everything with me without hair on at all. And I put it out into the world and went, okay, off we go. Let's see what happens. And the thing that really did happen, no one criticized anything. A lot of people were going, oh my gosh, thank you for the inspirational, um, for the inspiration. Thank you for showing me what's possible. Thank you for giving my daughter the confidence to go and do X, Y, and Z. Um, and that year, my business had the biggest year I've ever had. And so mm. that's when, for me, it was very much around if we can be completely comfortable in our own skin and really harness that, like our own uniquenesses can be total superpowers. Mm. Um, and it doesn't even need to be a skill that we have to learn or craft. It could just be showing up as you in your true glory. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, and alopecia, I, I know a lot about it because actually my best girlfriend in Denver, her son has it stone and um, you have no hair on your, no. I mean, none whatsoever. And you look so beautiful. Our listeners can't see you right now, but we can see <laughs> each other as we're recording and you look absolutely beautiful. And it's interesting way back when my kids are grown now, but um, during their teenage years, um, I was talking to a psychologist and the psychologist said, you know, when we're young, we can wear purple tutus to school and we can, I mean, think about all the weird things that we do when we're really little, um, not <laughs> yeah. weird, but non-conforming, not weird, but we're, we're just non-conforming. And he um, was talking to me about, then we have the, hit these teenage years where this conformity comes into play and where people are bullied for, being too fat bullying. I was just reading a story about um, another, a student of mine writing about this and having terrible acne when she was young. And, you know, it's just this, he said, it's just this narrowing. And then as we get older again, we kind of broaden out again and go, wow, I wear, I can wear purple. I can walk around with no hair. I can. And it's just, it's just such an interesting pathway that we have to go through this conformity thing in our lives. Very much so. Yeah. And it's quite sad, really, if you look at it that way. I think um, I think only over recent years, really, it's been that way of going, I can actually open up that curiosity and be happy and wear that tutu skirt. I mean, I've got a rainbow tutu skirt that I even wear now. Like, I love it. Um, so, you know, and when I first put it on, my husband went, are you going to a six-year-old's birthday party? I'm like, no, stuff you. I'm wearing this to the shops. Like, it's great. I love it. Um, and so I think it's quite sad that we almost lose the, we lose curiosity, I think, is the big thing. And that's something that I, I do believe that we should have more of, be able to ask those questions and, you know, be curious about what people are doing and why they're doing it and, and how they can do it differently. And I think for me, it's not just a conformity. We lose the curiosity piece. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the really interesting part. So uh, I was in engineering school from 1982 to 86, um, just celebrated a birthday. I'm dating myself here. And women in male dominated fields, I've spent most of my life in construction. 
um, we feel even more of a need to conform. When I joined in 1994, the largest investment banking strategy firm in construction in America, the guys wore blue blazers and khakis and loafers. And I wore blue blazers and khakis and loafers. And we, we joke about these silly suits we used to wear back in the 80s with these silk bow ties that looked like a man's tie, only they were tied differently. And how much we as women were trying to conform to this, um, this maleness. And when I first left the construction industry in 2005 and joined a women's foundation, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can wear jewelry. I can wear scarves. You know, it's, it's interesting how we try to conform to different groups in the world. Very much so. And interestingly enough, um, only recently, as I've started talking and sharing my alopecia journey, did I realize that when I first moved to Australia and started my business, I kept a, I'm going to call it a diary for one of people knowing what that means, right? Call it a diary of who I met and what color hair I was wearing at the time. So mm. that, because I would happily change between being brunette, blonde, redhead, you know, short, long, whatever it was, I would have a lot of fun with wearing different wigs. But I would always make sure that if I had a meeting with you, I'd be wearing the same color I was last time. Wow. And I look back at that and go, wow, how much energy must I have wasted trying to make sure that they were comfortable um, and not sort of scaring them or freaking them out or doing whatever in my head I thought would happen if I didn't do that, Um, which is mental. It's the conformity piece of that. Yeah, I look back and go, wow, how much energy did I waste doing that? Yeah. Well, we, life is a learning journey. I, I'm curious on your thoughts on this because I run a women's leadership program in the pipeline industry. Never run a women's leadership program before. I've spoken in a lot of women's leadership, but I, I you know, I came over here with my bright, shiny PhD in leadership and kind of fell into doing this. And, and we spend um, time during our kickoffs talking about personal brand. And a comment I say to, to them is, you all have a brand. You may not know what your brand is, but the people, the words pop into people's heads when they, when they look at you and interact with you. But I have them really dig deeply into their values and what do you want your, to be intentional about how you show up in the world and what, what you want your brand to be. And I can imagine you spend a lot of time talking to people about that. Yeah, very much so. Um, One of the things I think is really, for me, important around a personal brand, and again, it's it comes back to being you and wholly you when you're showing up in the world. Because if you can be the same person at home with friends, with family, with clients, with colleagues, like it is so much easier to be that one person and show up a hundred percent as you all the time, rather than trying to be a different iteration of yourself in all the other places. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure everyone has a story of you know, showing up to something and dressed a certain way to fit in or um, stood in the corner and had small talk in a conversation that they didn't really want to be a part of, or there's so many different things that we can think about or um, that we try and conform and, and fit who we are into a different box for a situation or a person. And so mm-hmm. for me, personal branding and the conversation around that is find something that makes you feel comfortable, but also lights you up. So for a very, very long time, when I redid my personal brand, for three years, my nails were the same bright pink color every single day. Like I'd walk into the nail salon and it would be same as usual. I'm like, yep, same color all the time, every day. And it's only recently did I change. And the only reason I changed my nail color is because um, the salon in my new hometown didn't have the bright pink 
that I'm used to. And she said to me, I follow you on social media. Um, I don't have bright pink. I'll get one in for you. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Like she's, you know, obviously it fits your brand. I'll get you the color. And so I think there's little things that you can do really regularly that can feed into your personal brand, whether that's wearing sneakers. Like my thing is I wear Converse with almost everything in all different colors, or you'll often see me wearing Camilla outfits because that's the brand that lights me up and makes me feel sparkly. And so Mm. there'll be a little bit of something that you do, whether it's intentionally or can become intentional, that is specifically and uniquely you. And once you find Mm. that, um, it's a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun mm-hmm. to do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you spend a lot of time um, thinking about leadership. So we are just talking about this leadership program, and I'm literally, after we finished getting on a plane to go teach a class in the MBA program at ANU on leadership and leading change, what what are your thoughts on leadership? What 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 is leadership in your mind, and what does great leadership look like? Oh, so I'm a big believer that you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And so for me, um, I want to be able to, like for me, a great leader is someone that is doing things differently, but bringing everyone along for the ride. So Mm. I think there can be, it can be very easily almost dictated to, you know, like we're going this way and you're following it regardless or um, very um, black or white. And there's no conversation or discussion. I think, from a leadership perspective, for me very much, it's around, this is the big picture thinking, how do we get there as a collective and having those conversations and bringing in different ideas and doing it collectively for the for the greater thing. And so for me, that's from a group perspective, but individually speaking, if I look at all the individuals that I um, look up to and I wouldn't necessarily, I'd call them inspirational leaders rather than um, leaders of a, of a business or a group or of that nature. Um, it's very much around not being afraid to step out and do it differently. You know, it doesn't Mm. always have to be done the same. And one of the things along the way there is the vulnerability piece. I think of when it doesn't work, being okay to go, "Mm, well, that didn't work. That's a bit stuffed up a bit. Um, this is the lessons I've learned. This is all the lessons we've learned. Um, this is what we're going to do next time. Has anyone else got any learnings along the way? And just that vulnerable rawness, honesty piece, because you can often as a leader not be humanized, if that makes sense. And so to have that human factor, for me, that that's the great leadership piece. It's the, it's the human humanity of a, okay, you, you're just like me. You know, we can have a one-on-one conversation. I love the first part. I'm going to unpack, unpack this in two parts. Your talk about doing things differently, Edgar Schein, who was my um, coach and an amazing, um, amazing person in the world, defines leadership as somebody who finds things that need to be done differently and, and helps make them happen differently. And it's such a unique thing to think about because we're so caught up in leading and following and meeting objectives and all that, but really about making different things happen. How did you come across that as as a part of your leadership philosophy? Um, well, not down the same path that you did, that's for sure. Um, for me, you know what? It's that's a really hard question to answer because I actually don't know the answer specifically, right? So, um, what I do know, and as we're talking it through, is 
I surround myself and have intentionally surrounded myself by women and men, but predominantly women in my world who think and do things differently. And so I think the benefit of me moving to a new country is that I have built that from scratch. And so everyone Mm. around me has been specifically chosen to be in my orbit. And it's not someone that I've had, you know, in my life from childhood or they've been around the corner. And so I've intentionally built that space and the rawness and the vulnerability conversations about doing things differently have always been part of that dialogue for me. And so whether I just attract them because I'm the same type of person or not, I'm not sure. But one of the things that sparked in my brain as you were saying that is it's really darn hard. It's hard Mm. to do it differently. And so I talk a lot about having a cheer squad, the cheer squad to keep you moving forward and the cheer squad to celebrate when you reach the milestones along the way. And Mm -hmm. I think in terms of doing things very differently, it is hard and there's going to be a lot of tears and frustrations and um, fall downs and knockbacks along the way. And to be able to have people around you that see the bigger vision of what you're doing and why and to keep you going, Mm -hmm. I think there's magic in that bit. So I can't yeah. answer your question specifically, but um, yeah. yeah, for me, there's there's magic in having the right people around you to keep you going and knowing and pushing you forward to doing it differently and doing it better and having a better, in- a better impact. Yeah. I called it Team Gretchen when I was getting my PhD. I used to joke I was going to have t-shirts made up that said Team Gretchen on them because there's it. so many people that helped me get through what was um, what was a very difficult thing. And the second part of what you talked about, about, um, you know, that vulnerability, that humanness, that humility is another word that I use quite a bit with leadership and, and um, to be to be human in your connectedness with other people as a leader. Talk a little bit more about that. I think if you can, well, I'll give you an example of, of from me personally. So I had my video production company for 10 years and pre-COVID, I'd made the decision that I was ready to close it down. And the reason I was going to close it down is because it was getting really too hard and I wasn't enjoying it again. So for context, I don't film and I don't edit, but I've built my global production team on teams and contractors who film and edit and do amazing work. And as we all are aware of, technology moves at the rate of knots. And now a lot of people can film on their phone. They can go pick up a microphone, pick up a camera from the shops. And so it was getting extremely difficult to win work against undercutting quotes, right? It was just getting so hard. And I went, this is my chance to stop and do something completely different. And really back in 2020 is when the champagne lounge should have been launched. Like that's where Mm. it was sort of inkling and and the born uh, about to be born there. And I had to sit down with my team and go bawling my eyes out going, "I, I can't, I can't keep going and fighting for work when I'm paying you guys first. And for the first time in the history of my 10 year of running a bit, 10 years of running a business, I'm struggling to pay me in the way that we're doing things. And so this is what this is what my suggestion is. I'm going to keep it running on the outside to everybody as normal, but on the inside, I really need you guys to become contractors rather than salaried staff because that is really causing me the stress and anxiety of keeping it going along and I, and I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that for me, my team just went, 
okay, whatever you, whatever you need, we'll, we'll do it whichever way works. And I was like, oh, you know, that's amazing that they've seen me build it and seen it go, okay, technology is changing. We can go find other freelance work when there's no work here. And just the way they all just adapted into, okay, well, that makes sense. We're still on board. Go, I think that comes back to very clearly, if you can be human and show the, not, you don't have to go into the nitty gritty of the financials or anything like that, but to show that the stress is real and the anxiety is real and the, you know, the, oh my gosh, where do I go next is real. And like, and it's too much sometimes. I just need to let it out and tell you that's what's going on because I hide it so well as a leader, but really this is reality. Um, I think just an inkling, just a small five, 10 minute conversation can have such an impact when it comes to showing your team or showing your community, showing your organization who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. I, it's priceless in terms of a skill to be able to have in a conversation to have. Yeah, it is priceless. And I have such deep empathy having run companies where, you know, you're feeding the mouths, you have the mouths to feed, right? Yeah. And you're the person that's bringing the business into, I, I, I literally just had this feeling in my chest. Um, but yeah, to be, to, to reach out to your team and to have them be okay. What, what are, you know, we're, I mean, I could literally, I could talk to you for hours. We, yeah. <laughs> I can tell that at some point in the world, we're going to end up in the same city at the same time having I a glass that. of wine I look together. forward to it. <laughs> um, what are your, um, what's one of the mistakes you see leaders making? Oh, my gut feeling went, listen, they don't listen. You know, it's very easy to just keep going on a trajectory. Um, but to listen to people along the way and to actually listen I think that's one of the big mistakes and that's easier said than done I think very much so because you can also the fine line between listening and then the bright and shiny you know like oh let's just distract it and go over here um but I think it's that genuine the genuine art of listening I think is a thing that's missing yeah because people think they're listening and their brains are thinking about other things or they're thinking about their their response, what their response is going to be. And this listening to deeply understand, I think, is um, is an art. It's funny because I was um, grading a bunch of uh, papers from the University of Denver this weekend. I teach in that MBA program as well. And and it's really, um, we talk about leader skills and, and people are kind of all the way up here. And um, it's hard for me to describe this, but I'm trying to get them to drill down to listening, empathy, um, you know, just the elements that you can work on and sharpen your saw and get better and mm -hmm. emotional intelligence and being able to create psychological safety. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with you about <laughs> the listening thing. You know, a really good friend of mine, she's the chairman of a very large company. She works for Warren Buffett. And she sits on her hands during meetings. She's in her 60s to remind herself to listen. And it, um, you know, whatever. Back to your point about whatever you have to do um, to to make that happen for you. And for her, it's sitting on her hands. Yeah, I should probably be doing more of that too. Uh, gosh, Rebecca, so many good ideas. As we wrap up here. What, what last inspirational words do you have for our listeners? I'm, I'm so, uh, I have so much admiration for 
people like you that will just kind of come on and share your personal story and the, the wigs, like taking the energy to make sure you wore the same color wig with each person and having the courage to um, take the wigs off, et cetera. What, what are your last inspiring words for our listeners? You know what? I think I'm going to go with walk to your own beat. You know, that's above my desk at home. It's above my desk in the office. And for me, it's that's about being okay to do it different, being okay to show up as you, finding what it is that lights your soul on fire, like walk to your own beat. And if you can wake up and show up every day as your best self, regardless of what's going on, just be, just be you, oh, magic happens, magic. So yeah, walk to your own beat. It's not an easy journey. I will caveat that with there is a lot of you know, work and personal work that you've got to do to be able to get to that point. But when you get there, oh, it's fun. Yeah. yeah, it is fun, isn't it? A great reminder. Years ago, I had a sign in my office that said, wild ducks congregate here. And I have no idea where I came up with that phrase, but I wasn't happy with our culture. And I wanted all the wild ducks to know that they could come and hang out with me. I love that. Rebecca, so wonderful to meet you. I really, really appreciate you taking time to join the Greatness Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Gretchen. It's been wonderful. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.